Welcome to the Find the Good Mamahood podcast. I'm Caitlin Carpio-Futchner, and I'm so excited to spend some time with you. This is a place where I talk with other mamas about their favorite tips, tricks, and resources, and also celebrate the joys of mamahood by sharing real stories and experiences. New moms, veteran moms, moms-to-be, this podcast is for you. I hope our honest chats about the highs and lows of mamahood help you find joy wherever you are in your journey. I am so glad you're here. Hello, hello. I know Valentine's Day has long passed, but I know I'm still thinking about love, ways to bless Diego, marriage as a young mom, creative dates, and things like that. Maybe you are too. Sometimes it's easier to focus on our kids rather than our spouse for various reasons. Maybe it seems easier. Maybe time with the kids seems like it's more fun or more important. Regardless of the reason, I know the struggle of getting caught up in motherhood and drifting apart from our spouses can be real. In this episode, I'm chatting with my friend Chelsea Klotz about parenting and caring for your spouse as a mom. And even if you're listening and you don't find yourself in a marriage relationship, I'd encourage you to keep listening and see what thoughts come up as Chelsea shares her unique perspective and experiences on things like working through conflict, prioritizing a community relationship, and finding joy in everyday life. So her husband, Will, actually used to be the pastor of our church for many years, and he and Chelsea led us in marriage counseling for a few months before Diego and I got married, which we are very grateful for. That was an awesome experience. So thanks, Chelsea, for joining me. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for having me. It's good to get to talk with you and catch up and talk about marriage, one of my favorite subjects. (laughs) So tell us about yourself. Like you said, my name is Chelsea. I've been married to Will for 13 years this past December. We have four kids, Caleb, who's 11, Emily is nine, Anna is six, and Ava is three. So we've got three, six, nine, and 11. My older three are in school right now. They go to public school, and I stay home with Ava during the week. She's in swim lessons, story time, Um, We go to the gym every day, and between that and packing lunches for the older ones, drop off and pick up, we have a busy and full schedule. And then what do you like to do when you're not doing all those things? Yeah, well, for fun, uh, one of of those things is working out. As I mentioned, um, back in 2020, we, Will and I, started a very slow onboarding journey to working out. We were working out like once a week or we would even go a couple months without doing anything. But then in 2021, uh, became more serious about it. So I really enjoy um, going to the gym, making different goals and seeing those play out as well as going on walks as a family. No matter what the weather is, we like to go on walks and I'll just share a quick funny story about that as we had a young one in a carrier one time I I was carrying I can't even remember if it was Anna or Ava (laughs) both start and end with vowels they're pretty close in age (laughs) life is a blur as a mom sometimes but I had one of them in a baby carrier on my back and then um, I was holding a older child around my waist in the front and we were hiking up a mountain I took a step and fell and twisted my ankle thankfully the children were not hurt um, and the baby, you know, on my back was safe. Thankfully, she wasn't in the front. But um, that that went with the two hobbies of working out and going on walks. And they were not a good combination because I was 
it was like pride comes before a fall type situation. <laughs> but we do enjoy um, being out in nature. And then most recently, we've been doing some puzzles uh, because one of our New Year's resolutions, as it's only February, maybe some of you listeners are still hanging on to whatever you had set to do. But one of ours was to not watch movies unless we're on movies or TV, unless we're on vacation or traveling. So we've been doing lots of puzzles and we finished a 550 piece, which I think is our biggest one yet. I enjoy a good puzzle as well. And I cannot wait for the day to be left alone with my puzzles. <laughs> ah, yes. The little ones can certainly interrupt that process or make you redo the same thing many times, but <laughs> um, it is, it is a phase as is all of life. <laughs> Okay, so you just finished 13 years of marriage in December. So that's like, whatever, we're, we're coming up on four? One, two, three, four? Yeah, that's like so many times over my experience. <laughs> so how does that feel for you? Yes, you know, I think of it as we're not senior married people, but we're not newlyweds. Um, I feel like we're middle-aged, kind of just right in a hopefully a good sweet spot where some rough patches have been ironed out and um, yet we still have lots of learning and growing to do and um, we're just yeah I think in in a really good place it it seems like a lot of years um, again on the one hand but on the other uh, tomorrow actually my parents are celebrating 37 years I believe of marriage so Mm -hmm. they've got us about a little over doubled wow yeah, that is a lot. That's that's amazing. And I'm sure if you're like me, when your marriage is going well, you're like, oh, I get so much time to spend with this person. I can't wait. And then, you know, it's not going well. You're like, oh, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for life. But I think of marriage as not, I mean, I think it should generally be an upward trajectory, but, you know, you're going to have those dips. And so when you're in those dips, um, just knowing that there's, hope to keep moving forward and it's doesn't mean that it's just going to go down (laughs) yeah so when I was thinking about you and Will um and your relationship one thing that stood out to me is how fun you guys are not just individually but like also as a couple and you could tell you guys have a lot of fun together and you enjoy each other's company and like you're always joking around I can't count the number of times I've seen you guys like smiling, laughing together. And yeah, I was just curious, like, has it always been this way? Is that something you grew into? Um, And then what has helped you keep that fun and bring that fun and and connection into lots of different seasons? That's a a great question. And people say opposites attract. People also say you need a lot of things in common. And I think it's both. I, I don't think there's any couple in the world who, you know, has to figure out a certain formula for what they and their significant other need to be. Um, But I think we can all agree that laughter is medicine. My personality tends to be more, um, I like routine. I'm a bit more shy, not as outgoing and adventurous. And it was one of the things that attracted me to Will was that he was all of those things. And so we would go to the Shenandoah mountains in Virginia. And we would, uh, for my 18th birthday, 
he blindfolded me all the way from Virginia up to New York with a group of friends <laughs> and surprised me that way, which was totally uncomfortable for me, yet it, it brought out definitely adventure in me. So I think any couple, there is going to be one who's more adventurous um, to a degree. So that's that side. As far as the laughter, that's really sweet of you to say, of smiling and laughing. We really do enjoy each other. I think we've found different things that we enjoy doing together. Um, like I mentioned before, the working out or the going on walks as a family. But um, sometimes it's just sitting down watching a comedian, stand-up comedy, if we can find a decent one, which is not that easy. Um, but we do enjoy laughing together. He brings out the fun in me, I think. And, and I am also competitive. So we can You're like, I can be more funner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He tells me I can't do something. It makes me want to do it even more. So then um, we can kind of egg each other on in that sense. And another thing we did when uh, we weren't even married is we enjoyed playing poker, Texas Hold'em with people. And so any any game or sport, um, he's not really into board games. He will play cards. But like any game that he does like or sports we tend to both like, um, we enjoy doing that together. I do think that's hard. And, and not everybody likes playing sports or things like that. But I, I feel like it's a little cliche to say, find something you enjoy doing together. Um, but it's it's true. And, and that did not happen right away. I will tell you, because it did attract me to Will that he was like funny, fun, adventurous. But when we first got married, the first few years, I wouldn't say that we were laughing, having fun all the time, because when you're first married, you're trying to figure the other person out, you know, you're, you're living together. And then we had a, we had our first baby just a couple years in. So we're parenting together. And so life was actually very serious in the beginning of our marriage. And we did not laugh a ton. I think that came over time. I really mm -hmm. do. Um, I used to not really know how to cook at all. And so I would just buy like frozen pre-made meals but as we both have he growing in a passion for grilling and smoking meats and me, you know, learning how to cook a few more things, we make dinner often together. Um, he, he will do the meat and I'll do the sides. Kind of, that's kind of the way it works out. So that came over time. And I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not it's not like that's necessarily just a quick, easy thing to figure out what you enjoy doing together. Mm. Yeah, that that I totally feel that you're still like learning about each other. And also you go through so many different seasons, you know, like you have time for something or something you're not interested in something or you start something new. So that makes sense. And it's exciting, too. It's like all of marriage is different. Right. Exactly. When we just had one little baby, we were uh, doing indoor rock climbing, which was super fun. But as that baby grew and started crawling around the gym, we couldn't do that anymore. And, you know, <laughs> we went like a couple of years where we weren't doing any of that. We would go on walks as a family. I think no matter what season you're in, you can always go on a walk, <laughs> right? You can either carry the baby, push them in a stroller, or if you have teenage kids, you can walk with them, grown kids, like you can always go on a walk. But there were a couple of years as we had like two toddlers, um, because our first two are just 18 months apart. Um, or a toddler and a baby, and even 
you know, a few years into that and then having a, a third newborn, we were not doing a lot of activities together. We were fighting for date nights, you know, like mm. having to schedule it, having to budget it. And it was a very tough time. So again, to re- reiterate, it's not always the most conducive uh, season to be doing fun things together that you may want to, that you just mm-hmm. simply don't have the time, capacity, money for. Yeah. Speaking of managing your time, um, what have you found helped as you worked to be a team with Will and juggle your marriage while, you know, being a mom, taking on all these responsibilities um, 24-7? We actually learned this from a friend, but having just a weekly check-in when it comes to being a teammate with one another related to schedule, budget, kids, and all of that, just having a weekly time where you sit down and either go over the month or the week, or even just looking back um, to evaluate. And so I'd say a lot of the times we do that. And and that was just, again, that was more as we had more kids and had more things and people to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, as far as being a teammate with one another and a partner, it is important to be on the same page about those things. However, it is one of those more serious life things and you don't usually get a lot of joy out of it in your marriage. So it's it's really good for having a solid family life, but it's not necessarily going to spark joy in mm-hmm. your feelings towards one another because talking about budget, talking about schedule, ooh, those are hard things, you know, talking mm-hmm. about meal planning. It is great to be on the same page, but they're not usually fun and funny conversations. So to prioritize one another, one question I think that's helpful to ask if you are having weekly meetings or just every once in a while is how can I serve you? How can I support you? How can I pray for you this week? Again, it's a little more on the serious side, but it shows your significant other, your spouse, how you are wanting to be on their side and lift them up and support Mm -hmm. them, see them flourish and, and do their best for the week so that you're thinking of them. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're not coming to them with a question of the flip side, which is, here's the things I need from you this week. Not Mm -hmm. that there's anything wrong with sharing your needs, but, um, but being mindful that not just are you a, a teammate and a partner and a co-life manager, but you you love them as a person and you want them to thrive in their life, in their job, in the things that they enjoy, giving them space to go out, do things. Um, so just thinking about them in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. As you guys are making parenting decisions too, like do you, have you found things that help? Um, to work through conflict, to find agreement on parenting decisions? No. (laughs) Rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) Um, We have parenting conflict over shows and sugar. I'll say it that way. Shows and sugar. When it comes to shows, I'm more conservative. I don't want them hearing a lot of language, seeing things that are scary. I mean, not that he 
wants to throw that in their face, but he's just more lenient about shows. And then when it comes to what they eat, I want them to have a balanced diet to be getting plenty of fruits and veggies and keep the sugar to a minimum. Not that he disagrees with that, but again, he's just going to be more lenient on those things. So those are our two biggest parenting struggles. And no, I don't have a solution. (laughs) I don't have a solution, but I can tell you what I used to do was we would pick a family movie that I didn't think was very family friendly. I would be so upset that I couldn't watch it with them. He would literally watch movies with the kids and I would leave because I didn't want to ruin their time by making faces or having audible sighs the whole movie. But that wasn't fun either because it was supposed to be a family movie time. So I will say over the years, the give and take, the compromise is that we will we will look it up. We will look a movie up online, kind of read about it, talk about it, and try to get on the same page. If we cannot, then most of the time I will sit through it and just keep my mouth shut. And I will say half the time, a little bit into the movie, he will realize it and (laughs) turn it off and say, sorry, guys, we can't watch it. (laughs) I have a little bit of the I was right kind of thing, but I try not to say that. (laughs) Or we will get through it and I will realize, you know, it it really, it, it wasn't that bad. Or we can talk through the things that I was uncomfortable with and it's not going to ruin their futures and traumatize them and create (laughs) monsters out of these little minions. So that's on the show side. On the sugar side, um, again, it's just, it's a little bit of give and take on, on both sides because so many of the parenting decisions we make are preferences or the way that we grew up Mm. or, you know, not rights and wrongs. Mm-hmm. There are definitely things I believe that we can be doing to help our kids flourish and other things that are not great for them. But so much of it is gray. And um, as as a Christian, as somebody who follows Jesus and what he said in his word, um, he is the foundation of our marriage and our parenting and all of life. So mm-hmm. that's going to bleed over um, into parenting together is just both of our relationships that we have with God. Mm-hmm. So we do pray together when it comes to some of the bigger decisions about schooling and um, things like that. So th- those things we will pray about and discuss. Mm-hmm. I remember you were in one of the bigger school decisions when you were counseling Diego and me. Yeah, that was a good discussion. Like, how do you make decisions like that? Um, when there's not necessarily a right and wrong and you have maybe different opinions and you're just not sure the way you should move forward. And yeah, that was cool to hear you guys talk about like listening to one another and trying to compromise and um, waiting, letting yourselves have time, letting God speak into time uh, while you're considering the options and, and praying and things like that. Yes. So what, what year was that? Do you remember? <laughs> uh, it was the year? end. Yeah. So we got married March, 2019. So it was probably like end of 2018 that we were doing counseling. Yes. Um, we have 
gone back and forth, and we still do about schooling and education for our children. I was homeschooled, he was public schooled. Um, our son has done public school for kindergarten. We homeschooled for a few years. We did a university model slash private Christian school for one year. And then this year, all three of, of the older ones are in a public school. We are now in a small town in Texas and um, we have great relationships with their teachers and, and just are really happy with the opportunity that they have to be here. And we're really thankful for that. So that it definitely is a big decision, um, but we take it kid by kid and year by year about what they need. And yeah, like you said, that's something that we just pray about um, continually. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be, I mean, Ava will go into kindergarten, not this coming fall, but the next. And mm -hmm. so we still have, you know, fall of her 12 <laughs> to decide those things. So it's going to be a long time of <laughs> discussion and things like that. But yeah, it's exactly what you just said. Allowing time, not rushing into a decision, allowing to talk to each other and, and let each other be heard. And those conversations can be uncomfortable, but they can also be encouraging when you think the best of the other and that they love your child for any parenting decision. Going into the conversation with the remembering the fact that my child's father loves them and wants what's best for them. So then the rest of whatever comes out of his mouth, I could disagree with a hundred percent of it, but I know that he loves them and wants the best for them. So we can talk about it and we can mm -hmm. trust God with their lives. And I remember now that you said that, I remember you talking about um, taking things year by year. And I don't know why it was just like a new thought to me, like, oh, I don't have to make the decisions for Coda's anything for, you know, multiple and now Lila I don't have to make decisions for the rest of their lives like I can take it season by season year by year school year by school or whatever um, Absolutely. and it takes the pressure off of of having to like make the right decision absolutely especially for a big one like education and you don't even have to take it year by year you can try something and if it's not working switch to something else like mm -hmm. there really was is a lot of freedom in that, and that reminds me of the Risen Motherhood podcast that did Freedom and Education Choice. They interviewed Jen Wilkin, but they interviewed, um, who sends her children to public school, but they interviewed two other women, one who homeschools and one who sends her children to private school. And it was just such a friendly discussion, so freeing, so eye-opening that we can make these decisions with faith and peace and can change things if they're not working mm. take it slow year by year kid by kid all of that uh came from that so if any listeners want to look up the risen motherhood podcast and search uh education you'll be sure to find it awesome yeah i'll include it in the show notes so what are tell me some of the biggest hurdles for you and will at different stages in your in your marriage, like, you know, you've, you've covered so many seasons of life, um, you know, no kids, 
one kid, two kid, three kid, four kid, um, kids in public school, kids at home, different jobs, um, now different states, you know. And yeah, so so if you want to share anything about that and then how you work through it. Sure. So when we were first married, I guess you could call that the new couple, the newlywed, we were very young. I was 18. He was 21. And I went straight from living with my parents to living with him. Uh, we started going to a new church. So our hurdles at that stage of life were finding friends, because not a lot of friends were married at that age, um, finding, uh, yeah, just community with people. Another hurdle we had that has also gotten better through the years is how to relate to in-laws and family. And of course, parenting kind of exacerbates that because when you're married with no kids, you can still have struggles with relating to each other's families or with your own families. But when you throw a kid in the mix, um, it can just be even more complicated because you're not only dealing with family and each other, but you also have this other person in the equation who you're trying to care for, who's part of your family. So those were a couple. And then we did have a miscarriage the first year, shortly after the first year of marriage. Um, so that was hard to walk through. The next stage of our marriage was having young kids in a really, really busy time. And I just get the hunch that a lot of listeners are maybe in this phase that have children who are five and under. And that is just a very, very busy time. Our, our first two are 18 months apart. And then the next one is just two and a half years younger than the middle. And... Will was going to seminary at the time. He was working full-time. I was working part-time. And we have these young kids. And that, I just don't know how else to say it. It's a very, it is a very hard time to prioritize your marriage. And you feel like you're just in this cycle or this groundhog day and that life is going to be like this forever. Um, and then the third stage, which I guess is what we're in now, is having school-age kids. We still have one preschooler, but we have older kids who can even stay home by themselves for a quick trip to the store or help us with chores, um, are very independent. We have not yet hit the teenage phase, so you'll have to interview somebody so I can listen and get some tips about how to deal with teenagers. Right now, our, our some of our struggles are being so far away from family because we did move uh, last July, so it'll, it'll be a year in July, and it has been hard to be away from family. So on the one hand, in the beginning of our marriage, you know, maybe there was too much involvement, and now here we are 13 years later, and we have no family around and it's not like that's any better or easier. <laughs> so I, I think during the busiest time, I would say of having young kids when Will was in school and in work and I was working, we did fight for those date nights, um, even if they couldn't happen every week. But looking back, one thing I would encourage people is to just lower the expectations about what that is. It doesn't have to be 
getting all dressed up, going to a nice restaurant, having the most life-changing conversation and, you know, just an amazing time all evening together. I think it's just those little connection points. And when there's temptations to pull away because you don't feel loved or to make that decision in your heart to, to be bitter or to um, resent that time to just as quickly as possible lean into the difficulty of it, acknowledge it, but try to draw close to each other as you can in any way that you can, even if it's a, a quick breakfast conversation or, um, you know, anything like watching, watching TikToks, reels, memes, whatever, just something to break it up, something to take a step back and remind yourself as hard as it is to believe that this phase is not going to last forever. It's just not. And you're not going to have little babies to feed or change diapers or all of that. And then even school and work. I know a lot of people, uh, both the husband and wife or mother and father work full time. And, and that may be a lifelong thing. And um, I know that can be really hard as well. And so again, I think the, the encouragement there and what I would learn learned from it is that my expectations don't have to be so high about kind of like we're, what we were talking about earlier, like all those fun things that you can do or want to do, I'm sorry, that you want to do can't necessarily happen right now, but you can find the time and be intentional, even if your efforts fail to get a date night, but you can be intentional to keep connecting uh, because there will come a time where you have more time to connect. And if you spent the time that you didn't have just pulling yourself away, then it's just going to take you that much longer or be that much harder to mm-hmm. feel like you're in a good place again. So just keep fighting for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I think it's it's hard, right, as proud human beings. We don't want to be the first to do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to be the first to compromise. I don't want to be the first to be selfless or, you know, forgive. It's so hard, like so hard, but it's so rewarding to, it, it sounds like just pushing for connection and having a good attitude, honestly, <laughs> as much yeah. as you can. So I wanted to share something when you asked me to talk about marriage, I wanted to share a Bible verse that has been my marriage motto verse. You know, some people have like a life verse or maybe a motto or a saying they live by, but I don't necessarily have that for my whole life. But when it came to marriage very early on, I read a verse in the Bible, Proverbs 1911, and it says, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Another translation says, smart people know how to hold their tongue. (laughs) Their grandeur is to forgive and forget. And then one last translation says it this way. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. And overlooking offenses has been my marriage motto, my marriage verse, because you have, you offend each other so much in marriage, (laughs) you know, (laughs) all your relationships in life can be full of conflict and difficult friendships, family relationships. But in a marriage, when you're living with a person or when you're 
trying to raise other little humans together. There's just so much opportunity to offend one another, whether it's intentional or unintentional. And so to overlook an offense, meaning to intentionally say, I'm going to forgive that person for what they did. And there are times to bring that up to them, but there are, there are many times to say, I'm not even going to bring it up to them. Mm. I'm going to forgive them for the way that it offended me, whether they meant to do it or not. And I'm going to move on. I'm going to take that, absorb that myself, and I'm going to um, fight for seeing the best in them. And yes, that it's, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard. And you're, offenses change and look different. I think the longer you're married or maybe not the longer you're together, but they can just look all kinds of different ways. Some of our early fights together were about the, what color shower curtain to have. And at this point, if that were to ever come up, I do not care one (laughs) in the world. You can do whatever you want. That is the least of my concerns. And back in the beginning of marriage, it was my biggest concern. Hmm. which is kind of sad but then you have other um, that um are worth bringing up and those conversations Hmm. can be hard and and it can especially be hard to know when to bring it up or when not to bring it up when to Hmm. forgive and forget or when to forgive search your search yourself for what you may have done wrong in the conflict, uh, be willing to be open to listen, bring it up and have a more heartfelt conversation about something. Mm. But but again, just that verse, like the more you are able to be free and complete in yourself and and not putting undue burdens on your spouse, the more Mm. able you are to forgive them for things they're doing to you um, so that you can just serve them rather than Mm -hmm. put pressure on them. That's so good. That reminds me of so much advice that we've gotten from older, wiser couples. And I, and just in that saying that I'm like, man, I don't think we could have made it this far, obviously without God's grace. Cause I really do think that sustained us from day one. That's the only reason we kept dating after a very rough patch at the beginning. But, um, but really, like this advice from people saying, like, you know, here's how you address conflict. Here's how you don't address conflict. And like, it's okay to to overlook things. And, and there's a good time to bring things up, but there's a bad time to bring things up. You know, all these things have really helped us. Like we used to have the, the most traumatizing conversations because we were just pushing, pushing for, no, I want you to hear me. Um, I want you to agree with me. I need to be right. I need to win. Um, it, until like the emotions, you know, were just too stretched and it was, it, it wasn't productive. It was, it was not good at all. And then I don't know who it was. It might've been you guys, but someone suggested to us at one point, well, why don't you just have a regular check-in? Like, how are you doing? How are we doing? Is there anything you need to bring up? I mean, yes, you were talking about the check-in thing or the weekly meeting thing. And that's what businesses do, right? Like, okay, how are we doing? Is there anything that needs to be fixed worked on because it's not always a good time to bring it up like when you're making dinner when the kids are around when you both have high emotions whatever um maybe when you don't have time to address the issues so just setting aside time to focus on those things 
maybe giving yourself time to cool off or giving yourself time to think about it and then bringing it up during those times when you know like you have a heads up it's on the calendar this is our check-in time they may bring something up and it's kind of like a safe space because you know they're not gonna blast you with something like in the grocery store or something right right and I think we just we want to be understood we want to be heard and a lot of times you can reach that I will say there are occasionally sometimes where you can find yourself talking in circles, talk until you're red in the face and realize like we aren't getting anywhere. Neither of us feels understood. We want to, we love each other. Even for those who who love each other deeply, who have a great foundation, you can still feel like they don't understand or they, that you don't understand them. So again, this just comes back to faith and the person of Jesus uh, being someone who lived in the flesh and knowing that he does understand us even more than we think we understand ourselves, um, being able to rest on that. that that's mm. a hard one. Not putting that on the spouse to understand you perfectly because they can't. Right. Yeah. And then in, during busy times, are there any things that really helped you to prioritize your spouse and make time? Like, like I mentioned in the intro, you know, sometimes we can choose other things than our spouse. Like, oh, I just want to be with the kids. I just want to focus on this project, whatever, because it can be hard or maybe not even fun sometimes to spend some time with your spouse, even though we know it's good and it's necessary. We don't always choose that. So um, how, what are things that, that you've done to, to try to prioritize that? I think in the beginning of marriage, I remember a time where he was, Will was so into the Cowboys and everything that was going on with them and all the games coming up and all the players and stats. And I was so uninterested, so uninterested. And I've shared this with people before, but I did take a day, went to the Cowboys website, found some blog about some potential new player they were going to get literally recited in my head what I was going to say to Will. Oh, did you know? I don't even remember, of course, but did you know this person? I think they really need him for this position. This person, this position, this person, this position, just reciting it in my head. (laughs) So that later that night at dinner or whatever, I just brought it up out of the blue. So don't you think the Cowboys need this player for this position? And he just melted babe. Oh, I was so happy that I did that. And obviously I was trying to prove a point that I love you. I want to be interested in what you're interested in. I'm not, but I, and I honestly, I didn't even really follow up from that point. I didn't continue to get really into it because I just wasn't, I wasn't interested and I tried, but I just wasn't interested at that particular time. But I did force myself to do it one time, one little <laughs> thing that meant the world to him. And then he didn't bring it up anymore. Like he didn't care. He, it, it was kind of like it did prove the point. I'm not saying everyone will respond like that or receive it well like that. But putting in that effort to do something that you don't want to do at all mm-hmm. is a chance to die to yourself for the sake of someone else. And it is really rewarding to serve, serve mm-hmm. your spouse and do something that they love yeah. and that they want. 
it can it can be very hard, but it's it is so worth it. So in the busy times, um, that's an idea. Just thinking that, that takes work to think about. Okay, what what would they really like, or what is something that they are interesting in, interested in that I could do just one small way or one time or just setting setting a goal to do something like that um, to bless them. And you know, it may or may not be received well, but um, that is mm. that is putting in the effort to to show that you care about them and to prioritize them. It's often the little things. Mm. It is that one time writing them a note. It is that one time overlooking their offense. It is that one small act of letting them pick where to go to dinner or what to watch or whatever like that. Um, because you have to incorporate it into what you're already doing because you often can't add something to your schedule at a busy time when maybe you're both working or have young kids or someone's in school or things like that. Like you, you can't add in some elaborate date night usually, mm. but so you have to incorporate it into your everyday life. What's, what's one small thing I can do today. Mm. <laughs> you know? mm. Yeah, like really being intentional as much as you can. Like in the space that you're given, I guess, you know, with the time, money, all that. And then listening to the other person, like you were saying, like you were listening, even though you didn't want to, like the Cowboys, you were listening and you enough to know that what he was interested in. Um, and then, you know, maybe asking good questions too. Diego's really good about that, actually. Like, how's your week been? What's on your mind? How'd that thing go? Uh, you know, even just today, how do you feel about the podcast? You know, and yeah, you know, he doesn't think about the podcast nearly as much as I do, but uh, he supports it and tries to, you know, think about what I'm thinking about and what matters to me today. And I appreciate that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's so important. And it's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a free thing. For sure. Oh my goodness. That reminds me the other day, we usually drive separately to the gym, but I am thankful for that time. It, it, it's just something that's been able to work out with our schedules to be able to mm. work out a couple times a week, at least together. But we always drive separately because he does have work and that <laughs> uh, usually has a meeting before or after. So I wrote a little note. I love you and stuck it on his side view mirror by his mm -hmm. driver's seat. Okay, but this is my husband. He gets in the car, starts driving down the road, did, never saw it. I'm driving next to him because we left at the same time. I'm trying to point my finger through the window <laughs> to show him there's a note on his mirror, which he should have looked at now, <laughs> five minutes into driving. He does not see it. He doesn't know what I'm doing with my emotions. And it blows away in the wind. <laughs> And I have to call him while I'm driving in the car and explain what I did, and which was not romantic at all, but it was hilarious. Um, so I did try to do that. And he said, well, now someone else can find that little I love you note and maybe it'll make their day. So he actually, he didn't, he didn't really care about that at all. He doesn't, he does not care for notes that much like every once in a while to write him a card or a letter like he, he does appreciate but like he's not you know some people say like oh write a little note which I love doing but <laughs> he doesn't really care about that so you do have to listen to them like you said you do have to think about okay what would what would they actually like and you can do other things but mm. you know thinking about okay what what might they actually like <laughs> 
And I even forget. Like the other day, I was like, can you just tell me again what you prefer? You know, the love languages. Yeah. You know, like, what is it again that, that you that makes a difference and it doesn't? Or it may have changed since the last time we talked, you know, like, like notes actually he likes. I'm like, what? Can we throw this yeah. away? He's like, no, that was from uh-huh. you. I still uh-huh. want that. It's like on a sticky note. But um, yeah. <laughs> that is funny. See, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah. If there's like one burning encouragement that you would want to share to moms who are married or in a committed relationship, um, what would it be? Sure. Well, I just have to bring up another verse from the Bible. <laughs> Sorry, no but I do. And it's Revelation 21, 23, which says, uh, talking about heaven, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the lamb. The lamb refers to Jesus uh, being the light. And so in heaven, I don't know who's listening, what you think about heaven or anything like that, but it is saying that there is no need of the sun. And I love the sun shine. Obviously we need the sun to live as humans. Um, and it's perfectly, the earth is perfectly positioned, not too close, not too far. You know, it gives us life, but also I just love being out, um, in, on a sunny day outside getting the sun on my skin. Oh my goodness. It just improves my mental health. It makes my body, my soul feel good. I love the sun so much. And to think that we wouldn't have the sun in heaven because Jesus is the one who gives the light and the life and everything we need. Well, if we don't need the sun, which is one of the most important things I can think of, then we don't need our spouse or our significant other. We don't need them on the most fundamental self-identifying way uh, because Jesus is the one who can provide those things. And there actually is no marriage in heaven. So while we love and enjoy and bring each other to life here on earth with the person in whom we love, there is someone greater than even all of that. And if we don't need the sun, then how much more can we live on this earth without our spouse meeting the needs that we think we have? Because there's somebody who can give us more than what the sun gives us. They can give us more than what our spouse can give us. And that is Jesus. That's beautiful. Like heaven's scary sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's like the bigness of it, the unknowns. Um, but then, like, thinking about what the Bible says about heaven, like, all your needs will be met. And Jesus, it's like, I don't have to give up anything. I'm just getting more. You know, it's it's not something to be scared of. Right. You're getting more. You're getting better. You're getting more of a reality than what you're even experiencing now. The color, like, the colors, mm-hmm. the, the love you get from from the person you're in a relationship with. That love is magnified. The joy is magnified. The closeness, the being understood, the being fully free, the just everything is uh, magnified and you get to experience better. Yeah, definitely. Are there any particular resources uh, you wanted to share on this topic? Yeah, so I just have a few books and 
me think of other things later, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Risen Motherhood. Um, of course, your po- podcast, I encourage all listeners to continue <laughs> listening to what you bring to the table and the people that you talk to and the topics that you bring up are just so encouraging, super helpful. And I know people love it. So I just want to encourage you in that. It's great. I think it's awesome what you've done, how you took the initiative to do this blog and podcast and uh, continue with it, even through the ups and downs. So I encourage all listeners to tell their friends and just a few books on marriage in particular. The very first book I read on marriage was called titled This Momentary Marriage by John Piper. And that just kind of sets the stage, sets the foundation. And then um, another one kind of along those lines is called When Sinners Say I Do by Dave Harvey, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. And then a fun one I really enjoyed reading You and Me Forever by Francis Chan. Um, That's kind Mm -hmm. of a more fun, lighthearted one. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think I've read any of those, I think. Yeah, what that's great. Poorly, surely you've always seen them. The marriage, the, the Tim Keller, what's the marriage, meaning of marriage, I did read that. And that yeah, that was, actually, Diego and I have been asking for marriage recommendation, marriage book recommendations a lot lately. And um, yep, everybody's read that one. <laughs> yes. We enjoyed it too. Those are so helpful and Thank you so much for like sharing all your experiences. It's just so important, I think, for people to humble ourselves and ask for help, ask for advice, ask like, what's your experience? What have you learned from older people, from older believers, from older women and from older couples? Like that's what we're meant for, you know, to, to do this life in community and not alone. Um, And, and this is so, it's so helpful to learn things that have helped you and along this journey yeah it's been great talking with you absolutely thank you guys for listening in i hope that this was an encouraging and thought-provoking episode i'd encourage you to check the links below and learn more um, and maybe just sit on this episode think about things that came to mind maybe journal a little bit i know that always helps me and see if there's anything stirring in you that would provoke you to do something differently. Maybe love the special person in your life a little differently. Uh, parent your kids differently. Um, be a better friend. Be a more intentional friend. I think there's endless applications for a conversation like this. Talking about love, conflict, relationships, all these things that we have as gifts in this life. Wherever you are, I hope you are celebrating love and feeling loved as we conclude this episode on love. 